If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I would restore the belief in human creative capability. We need to very purposefully stop and think about what the potential unintended consequences of things we're kind of developing now might be. It's Mm -hmm. astounding how fast if you give your poor, tired brain time, it will see things and put observations together. Welcome back to the Creative Tech Podcast, our series of conversations with some of the world's smartest thinkers in creativity and technology, hosted by the Centre for Creativity, enabled by AI. And to kick off our second series, we thought we'd remind you of what we got up to last time. Every podcast, we ask each guest the same three questions. What is the single most important thing you require in order to be creative? If you could create any app that could do anything real or imaginary, what would it be? And if you could remove one thing from the world in order to make humans more creative, what would you bin? In series one, we asked these three questions to clever thinkers from a diverse range of creative and business backgrounds. Business guru and author Margaret Heffernan, Ben Schneiderman, the pioneer who shaped how we interact with the internet, our mobile phones and the digital world in general, renowned digital artist Ernest Edmonds, behavioural psychologist Richard Chataway, Director of the Centre for Creativity and Professional Practice, Dr. Sarah Jones, and the man who wrote the book on creative problem-solving process, Scott Isaacson. We gave a creativity on demand challenge to these experts in human-computer interaction, creative process models, nudge psychology and more. Three questions, rapid-fire answers, posed by the podcast's regular host, Professor Neil Maiden. First question is, what is the single most important thing you require in order to be creative? You might not be surprised to hear that Margaret Heffernan and Sarah Jones have pretty much the same answer. Well, it's really just time. All right, one word, time. 
You know, mm -hmm. when you overwork people and they have no time to think, then they have no ideas. I mean, I have a habit, you know, when I'm on yeah. trains, which I am quite a lot, of always making mm. sure that at least the first 15 minutes I just spend looking out the window. It's mm -hmm. astounding how fast, if you give your poor, tired brain time, it will see things and put observations together and come up with things that, mm. you know, if you overwork it, it absolutely mm. won't. And you may not be surprised to hear digital artist Ernest Edmonds adding another dimension. I'd put it like this, space to get it wrong or not make a decision. It's <laughs> so I need to never be forced to decide something. Lots of mm -hmm. software does. First of all, put your name in and then do something else. True. Whatever. You know, I need to not decide things. I need to be able to get it wrong, go back and change my mind. That's the most important thing. Are to you me. suggesting that procrastination is an important part of creativity? Absolutely. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. I am. <laughs> Author and behavioural psychologist Richard Chataway hedged his bets on this one, doubling down and throwing in a great anecdote from the Minister for Silly Walks himself. It's space, really, and that's both time and a physical space to do it. So, you know, I, I saw a great talk last week by John Cleese. And one thing that really struck a chord from what he was saying was that, you know, if you sit down to write something, what he used to find when he sat down to write a book or a sketch or, or whatever it might be, the first few hours, he'd write very little and find that it was a real struggle. And then it would often be he'd have to walk away from it, do something else completely different. And then he would be standing in the garden and then suddenly the idea would hit him. And this is where behavioural science is really useful and, and has informed my own approach to creativity. When you're doing one task, your brain is also thinking about any number of other things, always processing information. And in the same way with creativity, there's a whole load of information that's being processed at a subconscious level that you're not aware of. And so if you come back to a problem that needs creative problem solving, you need to create space to do that. We'll leave it to the creative problem-solving maestro, Scott Isaacson, to have the final word. The source of human creativity is the individual. We call it creative self-efficacy in the business, and I think it's a belief. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a fundamental, it's an emotive belief um, and attitude that says, you know what, I can do this. I have the requisite creativity to handle this. The biggest thing I would hold on to is a belief a belief that I have this thing called creativity and I can use it in life. Most people agree that subconscious or non-conscious mental processing is essential for new ideas and innovations. And Richard Chataway came up with a great answer to our next question. If you could create any app or technology that could do anything, real or imaginary, what would it be? If you could create an app which could in some way tell you how that non-conscious processing was happening and when. <laughs> you know, like a loading bar where it's mm -hmm. complete or whatever. If there's some way where you could be made aware of, oh, you've, you know, you've completed 75% of the processing around this particular, this thought issue you're working on, then that would be the holy grail, really. We think a lot about when is the right time and the right place to do certain tasks, because that's, we know that those contexts are hugely important in terms of people's behaviour. So I'm th always thinking about, OK, right, I've got this window of time. What is the task that I can complete? You know, with this window between two Zoom calls, for example, 
what's the task I can complete in that time. So, you know, any apps that help with that, one which can tell me when that non-conscious processing is done. Our guests' other dreams for new technology that helped us to be more creative ranged from the highly practical to the utterly fantastical. Sarah suggested a kind of crystal ball. The thing that I would like if I could wave my magic wand would be a technology that could help us predict unintended consequences of the things that we do to try to help. People are good is my optimistic belief. The vast majority of us are trying to do good. How often does that unfortunately somewhere down the line lead to unintended consequences that we wouldn't have dreamt of. I just think that we need to very purposefully stop and think about what the potential unintended consequences of some of the things we're kind of developing now might be. And so if, if we could mm. have a tech that would just do that for us at the press of a button, that would be fantastic. Ben Schneiderman wanted help with his library. I think it's, it's the discovery and sense-making, facilitation of summarization of large bodies of literature. Yeah. There are more than 2 million scientific papers published each year. And Google and other sources are very active in me finding things. We have the search tools that give us the papers we want, but it really takes a long time to read and digest them. Tools for summarization of those yeah. papers that show me which papers are all of the same class, which one is something fresh and new. Those who read them. So discovery and exploration or sense-making tools as well. Margaret Heffernan dreams of something pragmatic. Oh, if I'm allowed to say that. I would invent a jargon buster. You know, we have spell uh -huh. checkers and we have grammar checkers. And I would invent something that, as you wrote, would actually stop jargon from entering into your text. I think jargon is Fantastic. actually an enemy of thought. I regularly hear people mm -hmm. say globules of words or read globules of words that, as far as I can tell, mean absolutely nothing. Just cut it out. Ask yourself when you hear yourself speaking, do I actually know what that mm -hmm. means? Ernest Edmonds is wishing for something a little more avant-garde. What I would really like is to move more heavily into a sculptural world. And for that, what I would like is a programming system where I could edit holographs in real time. So I could wow. have a dynamic changing hologram changed by my code. <laughs> it's like extension of Scratch. <laughs> yes, exactly. And for Scott... His desire is for more, more interaction, more hanging out. Being able to have multiple groups working real time and being able to work not just within, within the group, being enabled by technology that way, but being able to work across groups, to be able to see what other groups are doing and visit those groups, come in and out. So cross-group, cross-fertilization, social learning. Mm. If we could get the social learning into the digital learning space, I, I think that that would be a huge step forward in enabling people to collaborate creatively through technology. So a group might be working on one part of a project, you know, and they're working away. And then without even having no, no friction, just be able to move right over and visit the group that's working on the marketing strategy. 
and mm. then move over and uh, be able to join the group that's working on some of the other technical aspects of the project. There's this need we have as human beings to, to be together and to have that mm. social interaction. So if we could can enhance our technology to allow that, wow, what a move that would be. Exactly. What would you get rid of to make you more creative? For Dr. Sarah Jones, an academic and university lecturer, the answer may seem a little surprising. And our last question is, if you could remove one thing from the world in order to make humans more creative, what would it be? What would you throw in the bin? The assumption that there is a right answer. So many approaches to education, especially at the kind of school level where children are taught certainly in the UK system, that there is a right answer which they must come up with in order to achieve high marks. How much has that stunted the creativity of how many generations? But Sarah's not alone in this. Both Margaret and Ernest have the same point of view. First is I would throw grades out of education because grades Mm -hmm. distort people's motivation and they distort their sense of their own capacity. Tests. (laughs) There's no need to elaborate. You just say tests and that's it. Yep. Scott Isaacson is more concerned with making it easier for us. Time and attention is the big challenge. If I could remove that scarcity (laughs) to somehow increase the bandwidth so that folks, when they need to, don't find it difficult to be able to go a little deeper and have the time and the, the, the energy, the, the, the cognitive energy. I think, I think we're all living in an age where we're a lot on cognitive overload. There's just so much going on and so many things to do. Somehow, if I could eliminate cognitive overload, I think the world would be a, a much better place all the way around. <laughs> And considering his work has paved the way for AI, Ben Schneiderman's response was a little unexpected. I would stop the movement to social robots, intelligent agents, autonomous, and so on. I would restore the belief in human creative capabilities and support the ways that people can be creative. The goal... Richard Chataway takes his inspiration from a fellow psychologist. So this is something I'm going to steal from someone else. Daniel Kahneman, who is a Nobel Prize winner and and sort of, I guess, the founding father of behavioral economics to some degree. He says if he had a magic wand, the thing that he would remove is overconfidence. There's a lot of misconceptions. There's a lot of presumptions that people make, particularly about behavior, which is largely based on overconfidence. And in fact, you know, if you are willing to embrace those concepts of, you know, psychological safety and the willingness to test and learn you you can't be overconfident really because what you're continually doing is well you know we don't know the answer to this but let's find out and i would also if i could have an extra go oh go on then margaret we'll let you have an extra go i would throw out any belief in the value of multitasking it doesn't work the mm-hmm. more you multitask the less you remember the material you've been handling I mean, it's just a catastrophe. And we've been doing it for such a long time that we have tons and tons of data to show that it's a bust. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the myth that women are born multitaskers put to bed once and for all. 
So there you have it. We need more time. We need less jargon. We can throw multitasking in the bin, resist overloading our brains, challenge overconfidence, and maybe throw grades and tests out of education. We could explore technology that enhances fluid cross-team collaboration and play a little bit more with holograms. Coming up in Series 2, Neil Maiden talks to an even more diverse group of leaders, learn more about body-responsive technology, inclusive design, and deliberate creative thinking in sports. If you want to listen to the full interviews, not just the edited highlights, subscribe to the Creative Tech Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. They're all there, waiting for you to download. Thanks for listening, and be sure to like and subscribe. It really does make a difference. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.